Good afternoon. Welcome to Black News. I'm Howard Sandifer, and we have a very special guest today, G. Thomas Allen. Hello. Thomas, you were the first male vocalist to win the prestigious mm. Sarah Vaughan International Vocal Competition. What um, accomplishment. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what was it like to be in the competition and how do you feel after having won the competition? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to, to chat with you. Um, I'm still taking it in. Every day it's uh, the realization of just the mantle of sort of carrying on such a great legacy. And um, I'm honored. I'm grateful. Um, it's changed my life. It's been a you know very defining moment um, in many many ways. And you did point out being the first male, just that idea of of the competition sort of embracing all voices, all lovers of jazz, uh, in particular lovers of, of the divine one herself. So I'm I'm just grateful and honored to to have the award. That's great. Just speaking of Sarah Vaughn. Were you a fan of hers even before the competition? Absolutely, without question. Um, I have a short little story, sort of how um, I was introduced to her. And it was actually, I was studying classical music and I was working uh, on a melisma in a particular, uh, in an aria. Um, and the melisma is just, you know, a very, um, it's a part within within the song where you sort of show the vocality, you know, sort of the flexibility and agility of what the voice can do. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I just couldn't get it. And I remember just thinking, like, well, what if I just sort of bebop it out, you know? And, and at that time, I didn't know necessarily know the terminology, but I had this feel of jazz of like, like just sort of figuring it out. And my teacher's like, what are you doing? You know, this is not jazz. And I'm like, well, I'm sort of using what I hear Sarah Vaughn do, you know, and Ella, and I start calling people. And she's just like, well, if it's going to get you the rhythm, then fine. But when you sing it, you can't sing it that way. But that was sort of like my first introduction to sort of that, her voice in particular. So I would always just sort of listen to her. And you mentioned, of course, that you studied classical music as well. Want to talk more about that? Okay. But just curious, who are some of the other jazz artists, musicians, and singers that really influenced you? Ah, uh, you know, once I started listening to Sarah, I sort of got pulled into Billy Eckstein, mm -hmm. which people don't talk about a lot. But once I sort of heard her voice, I just wanted to see sort of what was sort of influencing her. And I can certainly say going back and listening to him has been um, inspirational to me as a singer. Um, I would say Carmen McRae. Um, um, I mean, the list goes on Mel Torme, Ella Fisher. I mean, the list just, I mean, all of the greats, I think, all spoke to me in some way. And I think probably a little more uh, contemporary or modern, maybe like Betty Carter, mm -hmm. um, who was a little more experimental, avant-garde. But I would say they all sort of gave me a nugget to say, ha, ha, you know, mm -hmm. sort of advancing the narrative of what's possible in the jazz space. I understand. 
But tell me now, you work, I know, here in Chicago, mm -hmm. you're teaching here in Chicago, but were you born here in Chicago? No, I am a country boy from Virginia, <laughs> Danville, Virginia, right. uh, about two hours from Richmond. Okay. Two hours from Richmond, a church, we call it a city of churches, and a lot of food, so, and it's still like that today, so no question. But I, I grew up in Virginia, and, and I moved for school for undergrad. I went to Morgan State University, so I moved out to Baltimore. Well, they said Baltimore instead of Baltimore, <laughs> but moved out to Baltimore, and the rest was history. After there, I just sort of moved everywhere, and I moved to Chicago about seven years ago, okay. seven years ago. So Chicago's home. It feels like home. Right. Took a while to sort of get settled, right. um, but now I feel acclimated and settled, and you know, I feel good. Love Chicago. When did you know music was going to be for you? I mean, was it as a very young child, or did it happen later in school? Or mm -hmm. when did you know it was it? I sort of always took to music. Um, I would say probably elementary school. Like my talent was always singing. You know, back in the days, teachers would say, "All right, this is the talent showcase." <laughs> Um, even in elementary, I sort of always led with singing. Um, I did sing in the church as a really, really young guy. And um, I would say that's sort of where the love came from. And, and here my mom listened to Luther Vandross and uh, Donny Hathaway and Patti LaBelle. The list goes on and on. So all of that, I think, was sort of shaping my understanding of music, uh, and black music in particular. Yeah. And you mentioned the church. You spent some time in the church coming up. Ah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was there, I would say, 80% of the week. <laughs> so um, that was just the thing to do, uh, whether it was rehearsal, prayer, night, you know, it just, you know, it was just a part of my, my upbringing. Um, and a key component of that was the music. And so I started with the choir and then sort of went to sort of leading tunes and songs. Um, and that's always just sort of always been a part of what I do. Right. Now, I know we've talked a little bit before. You were saying that um, even as a professional, you spent a certain amount of time in classical, I'm sorry, in, in uh, gospel music. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So um, I would say about six years ago, I connected with a gospel icon actually based out of Chicago, Ricky Diller. Yes. Um, and um, we connected on an album he entitled Ten, yes. and um, there was an opening arrangement of doxology mm. um, that sort of paired uh, more of choral setting with the traditional gospel, which was sort of new, mm -hmm. I think, for his discography. And I sort of was the blend between both worlds. And so I came, uh, did the piece, and it, the rest was history. You know, I thought I would just, you know, I didn't know what the future would look like, you know, specifically in that space. Um, but fast forward, uh, we've done two additional albums since that, one with Motown. Uh, the last one was Choir Master, which was nominated for a Grammy. And I did an arrangement of Let There Be Peace on Earth. And then there is one that actually just was released in January. Uh, so third album in that space. Uh, and gospel, and so I always say I'll never sort of lose that part because that's sort of who, who I am. That's what I sort of connect to, and and even speaking with the jazz, as you know, jazz sort of was birthed out of 
uh, out of gospel music. So it's sort of, for me, it just feels all connected. Right. Well, and you said that so eloquently. You do something which is, I think, fairly rare, and you do it exceptionally well. The fact that you're able to navigate through those worlds of jazz, gospel, and classical. Mm -hmm. And you're very at home at all three of those mm -hmm. genres. Uh, talk a little bit about your classical background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I did my undergrad at Morgan State, um, as I mentioned earlier, and the late uh, Marilyn Thompson was my first uh, voice teacher. And she didn't really know how to classify my voice. Because <clears throat> I was coming from the church, and so I was really solid in sort of using the modal voice, chest voice, you know. And um, she would sort of hear how I would make my shifts so seamlessly, mm -hmm. which we call the passaggio, you know, for all those music folks out there, <laughs> uh, sort of shifting through that. And I, I sort of had a natural um, coordination, if you will, of that. And um, she initially said, you'll, you, you'll be a tenor. You'll be a high tenor or a lyric tenor. And so she pulled out the fleur, uh, the flower aria from Carmen, and there's like a little ending uh, where he sort of goes up to a high note. And I remember sort of starting that first pitch, sort of ascending, and I sort of stayed within more of a mixed voice. And she said, wait a minute, are you fully, like, like I need to hear that again. It's too pure, it's too clean, it's, it's too effortless. Uh, and then she just went away from the song and she just started like, hey, try this melisma, try this apagio, and she just started just doing random things. And it was more call and response. Um, and she looked at me and she said, wait, wait one second. And I was like, uh-oh, what's going on? And she said, I'll be back. And she went next door, knocked on the door, the other teacher was teaching, and she said, come over, I want you to hear something. And uh, long story short, he, he came over, uh, Vincent Stringer is his name, he was former uh, vocal chair of Morgan. Uh, and over the opera workshop there, um, came into the studio and she did some vocal leases and she looked at him and they looked at each other and they sort of nodded and she was like, young man, I think you may be a countertenor. And I just was like, what in the world? is like, does that mean counter above tenor? You know, I was just trying to put the pieces together and, uh, you know, it was such a special moment because I remember her saying, uh, you know, you exploring this literature or this, this repertoire will give you such a great handle of your instrument. And I said, okay, let's do it. And so that was the start of my classical career in 20, uh, 2002. Wow. So 20 years ago. Yeah. It's still going strong. Yes, I know I look young. <laughs> I know it was definitely 20 years. 20 years ago. You were only 10 years old when that happened. <laughs> I know. That's so, so, I mean, so the repertoire that you do now, I mean, you have this remarkable classical repertoire. Mm -hmm. You still got the church stuff happening, no doubt about it. And now the jazz world, excited about having you continue. Uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're just killing it, man. I mean, you know, I've, I've, some Thank of the you. things that I've heard is just remarkable. And um, t tell me, um, <clears throat> what are some of the things that you plan on doing some things that you would like to see happen in terms of your career right now? What, what are some of, the, some of the goals that you have as an artist? Yeah, I think for me, um, it's sort of finding a healthy blend between all of them. And I don't think I'm the first to do it. You know, Miles Davis, I mean, the list goes on of 
this idea of fusion and sort of bringing in rock and, and funk and R&B and blues and gospel and, and so forth. But I, I think, you know, what sets me apart is that I sort of did sort of put my foot in the classical space pretty heavy. You know, I made my operatic debut in 2014 uh, with L.A. Opera. At the time, Placido Domingo was the artistic director, and uh, I was in my second year of, of grad school. And so I was really sort of, sort of in it. So I really want to find a pairing of sort of some of that repertoire and how it translates to some of the more contemporary spaces. In fact, we were just sort of chatting about like Duke Ellington Sacred Concerts, you know, which is sort of an opportunity to sort of bring in the concert setting um, that you typically would see like at a theater or some type of symphony concert series, but not necessarily in the jazz club or those venues, but I love to sort of be the vehicle between how do we sort of bring that element back, you know, to the forefront of jazz or just any genre. And let's talk about your voice. Oh. Uh, the, the one word I use to describe it is angelic. Angelic. Again, you got a remarkable range. Think of the, uh, keep comparing it with Sarah, but you've got this remarkable range. Uh, beautiful. Uh, question, I know you must get asked often, but the upper register, mm -hmm. when you're singing, is that falsetto or is that actually your natural range? You know, that's such a good question. Uh, where do I start? Where do I start? Well, here's the thing. The, the, the very idea of falsetto, you immediately think artificial. Um, and I think, well, I'm confident in what I do isn't artificial. And I think there's elements uh, or there are opportunities where singers can engage in falsetto male voice in particular, but I think it's more along the line of for sound effects mm. or, or to sort of give certain qualities to whatever the melodic line is that's not really fully supported. Um, and so when you think of like the Temptations and the soprano line singing Silent Night, mm -hmm. um, I would say that singer's probably a falsettoist because I don't think they could do that for you know a whole show yes, you know right. but for that one moment they can sort of hold that line yes. and that pitch and and sort of blend with the others mm -hmm. um, and another example is like barbershop harmony mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. especially when it's all male voices and you have the upper voices that approach is more so falsettoist mm -hmm. um, and the difference is what I do it's it's really just an extension of my chest voice um, where I'm sort of relying a little more on mixed voice and head voice, but I would certainly say it's closer to natural than being false. You know, when it's false, it's a little airy uh, and the vocal folds, not to get too too technical, but they're just, they're just not fully engaged, you know, and uh, you can almost hear it. It almost sounds haunty or hooty, you know, but, um, my top, middle, low, it's, it's sort of the coordination of sort of going through the different shifts are pretty even and solid, you know, whereas I don't necessarily feel like when I'm singing, I have to sing low or high. I'm just singing. Right. And depending on where the notes are in the key, I adjust placements, I you know. See. So it's really a more sophisticated coordination of, of sound, of the control of sound. Um, she's, you know, so I think you would say, if someone said head voice, mm -hmm. I can understand that because there is some head, head tone, of, like I would say, 
um, there's some head tone um, within it, especially within the top notes. Okay. You know, especially if you want to come off of the voice. The fact that in a sentimental mood, I'm sort of, and that was like a moment of sort of settling into mixed voice, but still sort of using head voice to give the over yes. overtone, yes. basically. What Sarah did all the time, all, all the time. But I definitely wouldn't say it's falsetto. Falsetto, you can't really, mm -hmm. you know, you need a mic, right. you know, to even hear what it is, if that makes sense. It does make sense. <laughs> a lot to unpack. You gotta give us some more now. Okay, you gave us just that much. <laughs> oh, that was horrible, but. <laughs> no, no, no. You, must, you explained it so beautifully in those couple of seconds. Would you give us, just give us a little bit more of your word, uh, of, of, in, you know, any tune. This is to, just to want to hear some more of your, your voice. Ah. And maybe maybe something swinging as well. I mean, because you have this repertoire, you've got the chops, you got the technique. Uh, but most importantly, we'll you're, see. You're, you're an artist. That yeah, yeah, and yeah. So all the you know, we talk about it technically, but the thing is, it, it's, it's you know, it's do say I don't mean to think if it ain't got that swing. <laughs> and you got the swing, brother. <laughs> yeah, we can you know swing. What I'm yeah, we can swing. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, what you feeling? That could be a lot of things. Right. Um, all of me, why not take all of me? Can't you see I'm no good without you? Take my lips, I'll never use them. Take my arms, I wanna lose them. See, the blend of gospel <laughs> yeah. and jazz right. sort of within the same element versus right. you know straight ahead bebop so right. it, anyway that's just right. an example of sort of even right. merging the genres right. of just even putting a more contemporary lick versus like a sarah who would be obviously a little more bebop heavy in some of the that's improvisatory right elements of singing. But anyway, that's just something. You, you left the singing there. Now you, you took me away up here. <laughs> that's okay. We have to, we're going to get a chance to hear yes, much more yes. of you, man. Thank you for sharing that with Thank us. Thank you. That was absolutely gorgeous. Um, let me ask you about, uh, I think you did explain it already, but how does school prepare you for the professional career that you're doing? Mm -hmm. um, I imagine it was even more than the vocal lessons, but uh, Going to school did help prepare you for the profession. Oh yeah, profession. certainly. Yeah, here's the thing. School is the discipline piece of it. Mm -hmm. And like, especially to all the singers who feel like they don't want to necessarily go that way. Um, and I always have to put out there, there's really no right or wrong. You just sort of have to find what works for you and stick to it. Uh, the conventional setting of, of academia, to me, it's more of the discipline element mm -hmm. of having a routine, a regiment to practicing regardless of what the genre is, it's sort of just being in a place where you can sort of cultivate your talent and being amongst experts that are there to sort of help navigate that process. And so I think the conventional setting is just really important and it was very instrumental for me because here I had all this talent and didn't necessarily know where to place it, you know, to sort of see it grow. Um, so I'm big on education. I'm big on education. And if, you know, if someone's out there is like, you know, that's not my thing, get a private teacher, you know, get someone who is an expert in sort of what you're doing and really, 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 really drill down on learning your craft. You know, the conventional setting just sort of has it all mapped out. The curriculum is there. 
you, you know, you know exactly sort of what you're getting, you know, whether it's improvisation class, music history, all skills, theory, all of that. It's sort of all laid out and you just have to, all you have to do is just sort of walk the line, you know. If you take a more independent route, which is not bad, you just sort of have to connect those pieces and you may not have the same support. Um, but I, I'd say for me, it, it definitely helped me to get on, get on the right track. And then it showed me what was possible. Mm. Yeah, it showed me what was possible. Like my freshman year um, at Morgan, I was asked to sing with a group of singers who went to Marcellus. And we flew out to Paris and did a piece called All Rise. Mm. I don't know if you ever heard of no. some beautiful movements. And it was the first time I sort of saw jazz, gospel, classical, like sort of all fused on a high level. I was blown away, you know, as coming from Virginia. I, I hadn't heard anything just not even close mm. to even start listening to that music but it was through my connection of school that I was exposed to it and so that's another element as well sort of be, being within a more conventional setting sort of increases your vis visibility and definitely allows for more opportunities great advice I always always tell our students don't uh, wait and try to be prepared uh, and don't don't try to get prepared, be prepared. Be prepared, yes. And, 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 and you were for those experiences. Please talk a little bit about, talking about great experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, you did one of the most beautiful works ever by uh, Duke Ellington. You did uh, one of the sacred concerts. Mm -hmm. Just talk a little bit about that. Where was that, where did it take place? And yeah. what was the whole experience like? Oh yeah, so that, I, first of all, I love Duke Ellington's sacred concerts yeah. in, I think he wrote the pieces towards the end of his life. And so I think that alone uh, shows up in the music. Uh, and so I sort of got exposed to it in college. Uh, we just did excerpts, you know, we didn't do the full, full combang, but we did excerpts, you know, of, of the work. And I just took to some of the tunes, some of the tunes I just connected to, um, like Come Sunday, yes. Almighty God. Um, Freedom is another tune in there. Uh, all of them just connected to me, and I was just fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and this was years ago at the Strathmore, Strathmore Hall in Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, and it may not even be in Baltimore, but I know it's definitely in Maryland, uh, where the late Dave Baker was there with the Smithsonian Jazz Masterworks. And I was there just as a fan, you know, of the, of the work. At that time, there was a you know, connection with my school, but I had finished my first degree, so I was an alumnus, this sort of supporting. Uh, and long story short, they one of the soloists sort of fell back or some got ill or something just happened, and um, Dave Baker needed a soloist. And so the chair of the department at that time found me and was like, I, I, how's your voice today? You know, because I want to kind of like, even just now, like, I, you know, I have to sort of prepare for it, you know, and I was like, no, not today. He was like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And at that time, I didn't realize the significance. I knew who he was, but I, I didn't realize the significance. And he said, hey, can you do da 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 He wants to hear you right now in the back. And so we went in the back and, um, uh, they started playing Almighty God. So, are you familiar with the yes. tune? Yeah, the bass player was like, I mean, he was just nailing it, and I just was blown away. And uh, he looked at me and, you know, gave me the cue to start. And so I sung a little bit of it. As soon as I, I would say I did maybe two measures, then he stopped me and said, 
you're on tonight. Are you ready? And um, the rest was history. I mean, I was just out of body in a moment. I just was just trying to make sure I was <laughs> could pull it off. And then afterwards, like all of my mentors were like, do you know who that is and the significance and da 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 and what just, what just took place? And there were some critics in the audience. So the next day, you know, there was write-ups of, you know, such a fabulous countertenor, da 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 And um, I would just always cher cherish that moment. And then we got to talk afterwards and, uh, you know, taking some of the wisdom and, and his, you know, his point to me was, keep doing what you do, you know, be authentic to yourself. And uh, he was like, never change, you know, you know, do what you do, basically, because right. I think as young singers, we find ourselves trying to emulate, because even when I did the Sarah Vaughan competition, I didn't really, I didn't go in with the mindset of like, let me do all of her quotes or all of her things, you know, I sort of went in with, how do I sort of show who I am, but still sort of carry the legacy of what she did. Interesting. I mean, that was a great story. What song, what did you sing for the uh, competition? I'm just curious. What did you do? Yeah, we had to do our own arrangements and uh, put together our own, you know, set list. It was fun. I, I opened up with uh, Good Morning Heartache mm -hmm. from Lady Sings the Blues. And then I went into um, Cole Porter, Just One of Those Things. Mm -hmm. And I did a small quote of All God's Chillin' mm -hmm. Got Rhythm. Which I think sort of threw them off because a lot of people don't bring that in. And that again was that church element. Right. Boom, beep, boom, beep, boom, 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 beep, boom, boom. You know, it was just very, mm -hmm. and we paired that with uh, just one of those things. Wow. And then I had to do a ballad. You know, Sarah was a bebop queen, but she also could just wear out a ballad. Right. Uh, and I did Misty. Mm. And I ended with Misty. And when I saw the crowd stand up, I didn't know if that was appropriate. Like, I didn't know if that was like an indication of anything. So I was just trying to just stay focused. Like, this is a competition, stay seated. Like, you you know, everyone just be quiet. Cause here you have this huge panel of luminaries, Sheila Jordan, I mean, who I think was like turning 93 or four, you know, don't quote me, but at least in the nineties, yeah. like that particular week. Uh, so definitely was a lot of pressure, but those were the tunes. Right. Congratulations again. That was wonderful. Thank <laughs> you. We're looking forward to hearing you, of course. Um, tell us about, I know you got some upcoming engagements. Mm -hmm. Folks want to hear and see you. But tell us about some things you have coming up, if you would. Yeah, so I'm he heading to Baltimore, Maryland in the morning. Right. <laughs> uh, my band is, like, some of them are in New York, and we're all sort of uh, commuting East Coast. Um, and uh, my final stop is in Philly at a South Jazz Club, one of the premier jazz clubs. I'm headlining Friday and Saturday. Okay. Headlining, uh, Yeah, right. it's, it's exciting, yeah, Friday and Saturday. So all my friends from Morgan State, right. you know, will come up. Um, but, um, and while I'm out there, I'm doing some clinics and master classes. Right. And just because just cause I have a good, 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 uh, solid support system right. in the area. So right. I'm sure I'll be busy, busy. But I think for people to follow and know what's next, probably website is the best. And, and um, yeah, and my website is G as in George, G Thomas Allen Music dot com. Yeah, but we have so many things coming up. Your event, which you could talk more about, and I think I'm doing something with Washington Performing Arts right. in in Maryland, uh, June the 11th. Uh, then I'm at Minton's Playhouse in right. Harlem in July. Right. I'm doing uh, White Plains New York Jazz Festival in right. September, and wow. it's just I'm in Canada in May. 
Uh, so just all over. But I would say website, then <laughs> you can sort of click right. on everything and sort of see. But gotcha. pretty, pretty busy. Gotcha. And we're excited about seeing you. And we are so we glad we got you before you take off on oh, the rest no. of the year. But Chicago, I love. Gotcha. Listen. Well, we're going to have you. Uh, June 22nd. No, I'm sorry, June 24th. 24th. The yeah. last Friday in June, mm -hmm. uh, Chicago West Community Music Center, our organization, will be presenting what they call Night Out in the Parks, a series of concerts, and you'll be opening the series for us. Ah, I love that. We're excited. It's going to be at the Columbus Park Refectory, mm -hmm. and uh, you can check our website as well, mm -hmm. cwcmc.org. Okay. And I'm certain you'll probably have it posted on yours as we yes. get closer to the date. And Absolutely. We expect you know, a lot of folks to want to come out and see you in person. Ah, we're going to have a good time. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, I'm excited. You know, we're actually, my MD is preparing music specifically for that, so oh, that's great. I'm excited. Gotcha. I uh, can't thank you enough for taking time to s with us this afternoon. Thank you. Um, before we wrap it up, is there anything you'd like to just tell tell the world tell, tell the world about yourself? Anything? Well, I just always tell people be be apologetically yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just sort of my thing, and um, keep telling the story. Yeah. You know, I think the beauty about jazz is the con conversation element, and 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 some of the other genres are sort of prescribed right. you know sort of written out notation you sort of have to do exactly what's on the paper yeah right. um, but you know for those jazz lovers keep loving it keep yeah. helping us push it forward right. keep it alive right. uh, it's not old music right. <laughs> it's not it's just beautiful music and you can sort of hear how it has influenced everything yes you know before R&B there was jazz before hip-hop there was jazz you know and so my message is always understand the historic context to it and you know lean into the uh, being just sort of grateful for for the music gotcha. G Thomas Allen thank you thank you pleasure would you, would you sing us out, out of here? Sing, sing, sing us out of here. Would you, would you oh, man. Some, Lord, I need some water. Let's sing. <laughs> I don't know. To sing out. Just sing us out. We, we can just whatever you feel. Um, <laughs> just a little something. Mm -mm -mm. mm -mm 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 -mm. Ah, I don't know what's in my head. What's in my head? Always something. I should have some, I'm sorry. I should have brought you some water as well. I, I'd love to a, hear you play. I hate to put you we'll, on the spot. We'll, 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 oh, goodness. We'll, we'll. Uh-oh. See? See? This no, I'll do it. <laughs> That's fair enough. I'll do it. You're right. Oh, Let me see. That's we'll okay. Uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll no, see? No, no, no. That's fine. I'm just trying to think the bridge part. Yeah, we'll do the original. That's fine. Homer, yeah. you did such a beautiful intro. Well, no, I just you I just said. <laughs> I'm as helpless as a kitten up a tree, and I feel I'm clinging to a cloud I can't understand, I get misty just holding your hand. Walk my way, and a thousand voices.
to play or it might be the sound of your hello the music I hear I'm too misty the moment you're near. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I was so engaged with you playing. You, oh, my gosh. Thank yes. You. I'm honored. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. That was like, I can't wait till June 24th. Yes, yes. In the <laughs> evening, I got my energy. And Thank you. Full that was band. Great. We're good, guys. Thank We're you. We're good. We're good. Okay. I can't thank you enough.